Hey, it's Rochelle, and you're listening to Clumsy Theosis, a production of Catholic Answers. Welcome to the place to transform the world by transforming yourself. Hey, I'm back, and I'm here to talk to you about something that happened last week. Yeah, I know I might seem a little dated, but I think today's topic is timeless. So last weekend, we had Father's Day, and it really got me thinking about my journey with God the Father. But before I jump into that, I think it would be rude not to acknowledge all the fathers out there because your job is hard, and so happy belated Father's Day. All right. Sometimes it might be weird, but I sit and think about how wild the Trinity is, how beyond my understanding the Trinity is. I mean, we've got three persons, one God. I mean, no one can make that up. I'll literally sit there and go over and over in my head what the church teaches about the Trinity until I reach that that square peg, round hole moment, you know, it's always inevitable. It always happens. But why do I do this? There is reason behind my madness. I'm trying to turn these facts that I know into something that I can work with on a heart level in order to grow in relationship with God. But like I said, I always hit a wall. And when I do have that moment, when I feel like my brain is about to break, I'm so thankful that God has revealed himself through Jesus to us as father. So God as father, that is something that I can work with. The catechism tells us that no one is father as God is father. Did you know that in ancient Roman culture, a father of a newborn was legally allowed to discard his baby for any reason, like literally throw them away. I mean, as long as he was within like X number of months of their birth, it was allowable. But in that same culture, if a father adopted a child, he could never discard, disown, or disinherit that child. That child was his forever. So when Paul writes to the Romans in chapter eight, we hear that we've been given the spirit of adoption to sonship. And since we've been adopted into the father's family at baptism, the same rules of adoption, so to speak, apply to us. For this reason, God the Father can never leave us because he chose us. And because God is perfect love, I mean, he can only give us perfect love. So what does it mean that God is Father? This isn't a foreign concept to us. I mean, if we grew up Catholic or Christian, we've heard this. And heck, we've probably even addressed God as Father on a regular basis. But hey, not everyone grew up this way. And if this wasn't your experience, I know that popular culture makes references to God the Father all the time. So again, the concept, it's very common for us. But I think because it is so common, that familiarity makes it so that we forget that this is a really big deal. I mean, prior to Jesus telling us that God was our Father, We as humanity did not have that intimacy with God since the fall of Adam. I mean, it's such a big deal that even now today, even though it's common, if you've ever noticed in the Roman mass, right before the priest leads us in the Our Father, he prefaces it by saying, and we dare to say, 
our Father who art in heaven. I mean, calling God our Father is bold. It's such a big deal that even Muslims today believe that calling God Father is blasphemy. Now, the word Father is a relational description. Father, child, husband, wife, teacher, student, all of these relational descriptions wouldn't apply if they didn't have a counter. Like they require each other. They require a relationship. The catechism says that the power of the spirit allows us to call God the father with straightforward simplicity, filial trust, joyous assurance, humble boldness, and certainty of being loved. I mean, doesn't that sound so awesome? In theory, yeah, God as father, yeah, that can make perfect sense to us. But in practice, it's not always that easy. I mean, sometimes the father seems way out there, like beyond the galaxies, you know, just being sovereign and mighty, untouchable and unknowable. I mean, I've heard analogies between the father and a clockmaker. You know, the clockmaker, he sets all the gears and pins in place and then he just steps back and watches. No pun intended there. Or even the analogy of the father and a chess player who acts upon the chess pieces and we're the chess pieces. So he's acting upon us instead of interacting with us in a relationship. And that's a lie. Both of those are lies. Why? Because neither of them depict relationship. But we get these goofy analogies because we understand fathers on a human flawed level. Like no matter how great our earthly fathers are, And maybe it's just me being hyperbolic, but in some way we all suffer with some daddy issues to some degree. And then we take those and we transpose them onto God the Father. But our Father in heaven isn't flawed at all. In fact, he's perfect. John 1.18 says, No one has ever seen God, the only Son who is in the bosom of the Father. He has made him known. And Jesus does reveal the Father to us in his preaching and in his action. So what does that look like? Well, to sum it up, it looks like mercy. The Father is perfect mercy. And I did an episode on the Jewish roots of mercy called Mercy in the Mass. So go back and listen to that. That gives you like a deeper context of what it means to say that the Father is perfect mercy. Jesus gives a sermon in Luke's gospel in which he takes the teachings of Leviticus on holiness and he reworks it. And when he does this, what he's doing is he's emphasizing the difference between the old covenant, which upheld separation from the Gentiles and cleanliness as holiness, from the new covenant that calls all, like all of us, to join the family of God. And he also defines holiness by mercy. And most of us are familiar with the passage that says, for God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, right? My suggestion is to meditate on that. When I do, I think of the good shepherd who goes out looking for that one lost sheep, leaving the 99 behind. And at times we're all that lost one. I mean, at one point or another, even if we're physically towing the line, you know, filling the pew, so to speak, our hearts go astray. And the Father, in his perfect mercy, always goes out to look for us, to bring us back to his family. And what love is that, that the Father has for us? 
And since God the Father is a relational term, that means that I must be a child. So let's talk about that. What does it mean to be a child of God? St. Paul writes in his letter to the Galatians, Because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So through God, you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir. Wow. Okay, so in one line, I went from a slave to a son to an heir. So that's a lot to take in. Abba, Father. Abba is Aramaic for daddy. And think about that. When was the last time you called your dad daddy? It comes with such an innocence, right? That straightforward simplicity, filial trust, joyous assurance, humble boldness, that certainty of being loved that I mentioned earlier that we get from the catechism. And that's where we need to be with our Father in heaven. And if you're not there right now, that's okay. You can get there. And what is this being no longer being a slave, but being a son and an heir that Paul's talking about? So we know that Jesus is the Son of God. We too are children of God. And this is not metaphorical. At our baptism, we literally become children of God by adoption. An adoption that can never be undone or negated. God the Father will never turn his back on us. We become sharers in Jesus's sonship, meaning Jesus is the new Adam. And in the garden, Adam had three roles before the fall. He was a prophet, a priest, and a king. And by sharing in Jesus's sonship, we share in these three roles as God's children. So what does that look like? Like, how are we supposed to live that out? Jesus gives us kingship, not over a geographical territory, but over ourselves, our sin and Satan. And if we don't take ownership of ourselves and master our sins, we will become slaves to our sin and to Satan. Priests offer sacrifice to God. Our daily offering of ourselves, of all of our works, of who we are, to God fulfills our priestly duty. And though that might seem small, but collectively it's not. So those who speak the truths of God do the work of the prophet. When we share God's word with the world, we're living out our prophetic role. So to be a priest, a prophet, and a king is something that we can do on a daily, regular basis. Actually, that we are supposed to do on a daily, regular basis. And knowing God as Father is vital. I'm serious. It's vital to knowing who we truly are as children of God. And you should own your sonship and your daughterhood. And I'm not just talking about living out what a priest, a prophet, and a king do, but who they are. And being a priest, a prophet, and a king, that's only the tip of the iceberg. Ask to see the Father in prayer. Ask him to see yourself as a child of God and listen. And the next time you bless yourself with holy water, remember your baptism, your adoption into God's family, your freedom from slavery. Dude, you're an heir to a kingdom. So go out there and you strut that beautiful indelible mark on your soul. That's all that I have today. I really, really, really want to know what you guys want to hear about. So email me at clumsytheosis at catholic.com clumsytheosis at catholic.com. And if you haven't subscribed to the podcast yet, subscribe, subscribe, subscribe wherever good podcasts are found. Tell your friends, leave ratings, leave reviews. This way, people can hear about Clumsy Theosis and they can learn how to transform themselves and transform the world. Oh, and don't forget to follow on Instagram at Clumsy Theosis. This way you can keep up with the show. 
and keep up with things that I would like to share with you. And until next time, God bless you guys. Peace out. Thank you for tuning in this week to Clumsy Theosis. Each week, we explore a topic within the Catholic faith to aid listeners like yourself, as well as yours truly, in the advancement and deepening of the spiritual life and the personal ownership of our relationship with the big guy upstairs and his church. As cliche as it sounds, the world needs you. Become who you were created to be with Clumsy Theosis, the place to transform the world by transforming yourself.